Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy-Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the show where you get expert advice about the heavy-duty parts you buy and sell and keep you informed about what's happening in the industry. Have you ever gone out to your vehicle, started your vehicle, and then it dies? Or it won't start at all. It's frustrating, especially if you have somewhere to be. Now put yourself in the position of a driver of a truck. They have a load that has to be delivered. And all of a sudden the truck dies. There's nothing there. Or it won't start when they go out in the morning. And there's a load that has to be delivered at a specific time. Maybe it's medical supplies. Or maybe it's food. Things people really need. When you are a fleet and you have unscheduled downtime, it can cost you thousands. So today, we're going to talk about alternators and starters, because in both of those cases, the truck won't start, or all of a sudden it dies, it might be an alternator and it might be a starter. Now, we're going to talk to Scott from WAI Global today. They are experts in the manufacturing of alternators and starters, and I'm really excited to have Scott on the podcast. Scott, welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Let's get right into it. What makes a high-quality alternator? Well, it really boils down to the quality of the components that are in that alternator, in particular the electronics, the the voltage regulator, the rectifier, uh, you know, the diodes, we, WAI, we own our own manufacturing company, our electronic manufacturing company. It's called Transpo Electronics. We manufacture the critical electronic components in there as far as, um, you know, so we can control the quality of that. We're not buying off-the-shelf components from different suppliers or maybe questionable quality out there. Who knows? But we're controlling the quality of the components that we put into those into those alternators. We also own a bearing company, uh, WBD Bearings, that we use in the units, uh, so we control the quality of the bearings in there. By controlling all of that and in, in, in manufacturing all of those different components, we have total control over the quality of the end product. So what you're saying, really, to focus on the quality of an alternator it's really comes down to those two kind of major components. There's the electronic side, and then there's the bearing side. And of course, those all have to work together in order for the alternator to operate at peak efficiency and also to last. The, the electronics are what makes these things work. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, the, the rectifier and the voltage regulator, critical components, they, if they fail or if they go bad, particularly the, the, the voltage regulator, if it fails and it overcharges the battery, then you start cooking the batteries. Or if it fails the other way and it just stops charging altogether, then, you know, of course, the batteries die. So it's 
absolutely the critical, most critical part of the whole thing. So when we talk about manufacturing for all of the different applications, like I think of, of our mechanics that are listening, they sometimes don't know which truck's going to roll in the bay next. When it comes to the people listening that actually drive trucks, they're all over the map in different kinds of jobs that they do. So you must have to adjust for temperature and for working conditions that these trucks see. Like I'm in Northern Alberta. So in the summer, it's very hot. In the winter, it's minus 50 at some points in the winter and people ask Celsius or Fahrenheit. And the joke is it doesn't matter at that temperature, right? So as a manufacturer, how do you approach providing a product that can handle that wide range of conditions that trucks are working in? Well, high heat and and low cold are the two extremes and neither one of those are good for electrical, you know, electrical stuff in general. Um, You know, but just by, um, you know, the way we design these components to work, the validation testing that we do, uh, you know, in, in these high, in high heat environments, in sub freezing environments, we we design we design these components to work in those kind of types of conditions. You know, and, and everything in between, everything is validated testing. The the units are tested throughout their their assembly process. They're tested at the end of the line, at the end of the assembly line, as far as for maxima output and and different uh, rotational speeds, amperage output at, at different rotationals and. And then all of the components, all of those transpo components in there are also have their own validation testing. So obviously we, we operate all over the world. So in widely, hugely different climate, all these components are basically designed to operate in those conditions to get the best longevity out of it. So when we are trying to select an alternator, let's break it down. What are some of the main things we have to think about when picking the right alternator for our application? Because you might have one person who's just doing inner city light delivery. You could have someone else who's running a triaxle truck in the oil patch. How do you pick the right application? What are some of the things we need to think about? Let's just break it down one at a time. There's some basic things that you have to know to even get, you know, the alternator has to fit in there. That's how it's mounted. There's hinge mounted, which the alternator moves to tension the belt, pivots on, on bolts. There's also, those are on older vehicles, generally eight plus years old or more. Most newer vehicles have a pad mounted type alternator. You know, it's got four bolts in there to hold it uh, solid to the engine. And then that belt is typically a serpentine belt is tensioned off the of automatic belt tensioner. You know, that's the first thing. Then you got to decide brush with an alternator with brushes in it or a brushless alternator. If you intend to use the alternator for less than, say, you know, a few years, a brush style is probably best. It's more cost effective. If you're going to keep that truck and you're going to more severe duties, extreme environments, a, a brushless alternator is probably best. The brushes don't wear out after, after a period of time. You're going to pay more for that alternator, but it's also going to last. Typically, it's double Double the cost, yeah. Double double the cost, but you get you know four times the life out of it too. Right. So I was just gonna say as I was putting my hand up, I was like, hey, wait a minute, it doesn't actually cost more. <laughs> it only costs more on the day you buy it, but it ends up saving you because you don't have to buy three more over the life of that. So low, lowering cost per mile, right there. It doesn't cost more. That's correct. And the other big decision maker in that is the amperage of the thing. You know, there's all different amperage. What's the output of that of that particular unit? The alternators are always listed in the catalog at, at, its, at its maximum output, 120 amps, 140 amps, 60 amps, whatever 
whatever it is. But since alternators are rotational devices, that is based upon, say, a 5,000 RPM as it's rotating, 5,000 RPM. Well, in a lot of cases, the engine isn't operating full. You know, it's not driving down the, down the freeway at full speed. It's sitting there idling when city trucks, delivery trucks, stop and go type applications, start, stop, starts, all, the, all of that stuff, where it's always running at a, most of the time at a pretty low RPM. You got to have a higher output alternator for those low RPMs to keep the truck running, to keep the batteries charged up. So there's a lot that goes into that, you know, into selecting the right one. In the end, you want a good quality alternator like what we make. (laughs) Well, that's why you're here. So what makes an alternator fail then? Because, I mean, things don't last forever. So eventually it's going to wear out. What are the things that contribute to wearing something out a little faster? And is there anything we can do to make them last longer? One of the, probably the the two most common things that go bad in alternators, one is the bearings in it. The needle needle bearings, they allow the rotor to spin freely in there. So as, as it's turning, those break down because of dirt, dust environments, you know, gets into the grease, into the bearing, the needle bearings in there, start to cause rough operation. A lot of times they make a lot of noise, but causes premature failure. And then right behind that is the electronics. And those are generally, those generally fail because of overheating. They get too hot. So airflow through the alternator over the electronics is absolutely critical. The lower you can keep the temperature internally in the alternator, the longer it's going to last. You get into other issues with the belt, worn belts. The belt tensioners start to go bad, the springs in there, so they don't keep good tension on, doesn't spin the alternator at the proper RPM. But that's typically what goes wrong with them. It's a heat issue and it's dust, dirt type issues. And we see a lot of that in, uh, you know, in agricultural applications and high dust environments, off-road type, uh, type applications. Now, we already touched on it a little bit because you talked about when it comes to a quality part, it has to be tested thoroughly. I'd like to hear a little bit more about the validation tests that you use. What does that include? How does that work? We do, as we build the units on the assembly line, there's three different points that is tested during assembly. And then also at the end of the line, when the product is finished, it goes onto a machine, an alternator tester machine, and it's looking for proper operation that the alternator has the proper output at the different RPMs. After it comes off of that machine, it, it actually spits out this little piece of paper. This is one of those pieces of paper that when you open up the box and there's a whole bunch of stuff right there, this is one of you know, the thing that everybody takes and, and throws away. But it shows that that particular alternator performed to the OE uh, specification. And, of course, that's what we're looking for. Beyond that, validation testing for long life, endurance, humidity, like we were talking about in the different environmental conditions, high humidity areas, vibration, salt spray, thermal cycle testing, all of that stuff, all of those, not only the the finished unit goes through that, but also the electronics, all that transpo electronics, they all go through their own validation testing. But the goal obviously is to have a good quality, you know, high quality product that goes into the box and nothing gets out of our factory that's substandard. That's why we push and push and push at this testing and put out the proof, basically that we can put in the box to say, hey, this thing works. It works how it's supposed to. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin. We've been speaking with Scott from WAI Global. We've been talking alternators. We're going to shift gears now 
to starters, what makes a high-quality starter? Well, it, basically, it's the same as an alternator. It's the internal component. All of our WAI units are 100% new, all new components, all new frames, all new bodies. Everything in there is new. We don't do any kind of remanufactured product. You know, we're using new solenoids. We're using new starter drives. We're using new springs, new bearings, you know, the armatures, the field coils. Everything in there is new. Uh, so we don't, you know, we're not salvaging anything the remanufacturers do. Many of our, you know, heavy-duty starters have an overcrank protection, which is, you know, a feature on the, on, the, on the OE starter that protects it from overheating. If it's a hard starting type thing where it doesn't start right away, you know, the guy can't sit there and crank and crank and crank and, you know, blow up the starter. So it's kind of like a circuit breaker, more or less, that kicks it off until it cools off. But all of our starters are manufactured to meet or exceed OE performance specifications. And that's you know, the bottom line. So, Scott, why do starters typically fail? Just like alternators, the starters, they fail for several different reasons. But typically, it's excessive heat, either excessive heat from under the hood, from the engine through the exhaust, the turbos and that type of thing, or internal heat caused generally by overcranking. You know, it's cranked and cranked and cranked and cranked. If, the, if there's an engine issue and it doesn't start right up, that's the biggest reasons. Also, other things that come into play there are poor electrical connections. The wiring prevents the full battery voltage from getting down to that starter so it, so it will crank correctly. Faulty solenoids, solenoid switches are always an issue damaged drive gears, if it doesn't mesh with the flywheel teeth correctly, or it gets worn after a period of time, it begins to, to, to miss or to not crank correctly. Those are typically the biggest reasons that they fail. Like we say, we use all new components. We're not reusing starter drives and, and field coils and stuff. So that typically eliminates, you're putting a new brand new starter drive in every time that typically eliminates a lot of those a lot of those problems, but the overheating is probably the biggest. This is a, not a question we planned for when we laid out the interview today, but I wanted, as you were talking, it made me think about the issue that I've had selling parts when it comes to batteries. And a lot of times people will buy the cheapest batteries they can find because they got to buy four of them. So they think they're saving money. If you have a weakened battery or a poor quality battery, does that impact the starter mechanisms anyway, or, or does that do anything, or is that not really related? Well, the starter has to have a certain amount of voltage to trigger and to kick off the solenoid, and that's typically eight and a half, nine volts. So if you're not getting that down to the starter, yeah, that's a problem. And, and then if assuming that the solenoid does kick, if there's not enough voltage, if there's not enough amperage in the batteries to get down to the starter, then you get a, a slow crank kind of thing. Batteries are a totally critical part of this whole thing. Not only the batteries, in, but what gets overlooked so much is the connections, the battery terminals that get corroded. On the battery end, you get the battery acid, you get the corrosion on there that starts to cause a high resistance uh, connection right there. High resistance, the amperage is going to go down. And then you have the same issue on the other end of the cable down at the starter or at the engine block, the ground little rust will build up in there and you, and you create a high, high resistance connection there. It just, if you don't get that, that full battery amperage down to the, down to the starter, it, the whole thing kind of falls apart at that point. Yeah. Throughout, throughout my career, I've uh, been involved in, in warranties. So I started off in a remanufacturer, then I worked in aftermarket parts. 
And uh, at several times in my career, I was responsible for warranties. And I remember so many times we would have an alternator, a starter or a battery warranty come in. And then we would just do some bench testing at our store. And it, it all it came down to the connections. It came down to the wiring. It came down to just preventative maintenance on the entire system instead of just shotgunning, you know, take that shotgun approach with parts. And we deal with that the same thing as far as when warranties come back to us. We obviously test everything and, and tear it down and see why it failed and all of that. But I don't know what the exact numbers are, but a high percentage of the units that come back, we, we bench test things fine. I mean, it works perfectly. So it's a misdiagnosis. And that's a big part of my job as a technical trainer to to how to diagnose these problems and find the real real issues. One thing I was going to go back to as far as the batteries, you know, when you have a multi-battery setup, three or four batteries in there, you can have two or three good batteries and one, one bad battery. That lowers the overall amperage output of these things. So you got to be able to, to separate those batteries, test each one of them individually. When you're going through the battery testing end of that, you have to do it as a, as a full battery pack when you're doing outputs and all of that stuff. But when you're getting down to the actual batteries, you got to take the cables off, test each one of them separately and find out what's really going on with the batteries because it's, it's a major, major problem. Yeah. And, and I'll add to that. Some people might say, well, how, how, how does that happen? One battery isn't, well, vibration is a big part of why batteries fail. So when those plates break and they lose the ability to, to regenerate the charge. And so you could have a situation where one of those batteries had a plate that for some reason was broken and then a few more break and then that battery is gone. And then they, yeah, and they ground out and the, you know, that cell is basically dead at that point. So you start voltage in a hurry on (laughs) when that happens. Something tells me that you and I could talk for a long time about all of these things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've been around a long time doing this stuff. Yeah, that's right. We've seen a few things. So let's just end our conversation with this question. If you want our listeners to take away one thing from today's total conversation, what's that one thing? I have two things in mind, but the top thing is to use premium quality products. And, and, that, and not just start, I mean, that go across the board on your vehicle. Use premium quality product, you know, as far as rotating electrical, something like a WAI unit, that'll go a long way to keeping those vehicles on the road, right? Making money instead of in the shop, costing you money. Good quality products that you're going to get good life out of. And that rolls into the second thing. And that is to maintain your vehicle, particularly the electrical system. I mean, the starting and charging is one circuit of the entire system it gets very noticeable but that also rolls into all the other circuits and all the other poor grounds and stuff as far as you know and now today's with all the computerized stuff the computers start to have issues the sensors start to have issues the fuel pumps just everything that goes in you know electrical on there but everything is tied back to the batteries to the grounds to the cables maintaining that the integrity of those connections is is critical overlooked all the time People, technicians just don't, they pull the cable off, and but they never clean it. They never look at it. And that's a big part of what I talk about and what, I, what I'm doing on training, where to look at and where to concentrate your efforts at, I guess is the best way to say that. You've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and we've been speaking with Scott from WAI Global. To learn more, go to waiglobal.com. Links are in the show notes. Scott. 
Thank you for being on HDPR. Well, thank you for having me. This has been fun. Have you subscribed to our weekly email yet? Go to jamieirvin.ca slash email and subscribe today. Never miss out on any content or great deals again. Go to jamieirvin.ca slash email and subscribe today. I'd like to remind everyone to focus on cost per mile over purchase price and... Let's keep those trucks and trailers rolling. HCA Truck Pride is the heart of the independent parts and service channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash HDA Truck Pride and let the heart of the independent service channel take care of your commercial equipment.